Welcome to the Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host, the Catholic Foodie. So glad that you are here today with me. It's Friday, folks. It is Friday, which means I may have to dig up a recipe or two to share with you today. It's not going to be an official uh, recipe Friday here. However, we are going to be talking food and faith. I'm so glad that you are joining me today. Still in the Christmas season, we are still in the Christmas season. It may not look 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 like it if you go grocery shopping or any other kind of shopping. You know, when you go to the stores and they're playing, I don't know, the regular heavy metal rock. <laughs> classic rock, whatever it is they play uh, through the speakers in the stores these days. I don't know. I don't know. I guess it depends on the store you're in. Uh, But you don't hear what? You don't hear Christmas music because for the rest of the world, Christmas is over. But for me and for you and for the rest of the Catholic and Orthodox world, uh, that's not the case. Matter of fact, the Orthodox are our Orthodox brothers and sisters just celebrated Christmas a couple of days ago. Isn't that amazing? And uh, and here we are. It is Friday. Uh, we're going to be in the Christmas season, in the Christmas season. The Christmas season does not officially end until when? Hazard to take a guess? Care to take a guess? This coming Sunday. This Sunday is the feast or the solemnity of the baptism of the Lord. That is the official uh, closeout of the Christmas season. So here we are, the beginning of a weekend on Friday. When you wake up on Monday morning, we will be back in ordinary time. That sounds like an ominous title, doesn't it? Ordinary time. I, I, I don't. I've always. Uh, I like extraordinary. I, I like extraordinary. Ordinary just seems so. I don't know. Monotonous boring. You know, when I was growing up, I, I was always seeking the thrills, you know, uh, I, I didn't like boring. I didn't like ordinary. I wanted to be extraordinary. I, when I was a kid, I still remember, you know, seven, eight years old being at mass. And what was I paying attention to? Not, not, not the mass. <laughs> Instead, I was in my mind pretending to be Spider-Man, saving all these poor people Poor helpless people in the pews, saving them from like, you know, uh, thugs and, and, and guys with machine guns who were coming in to take over the church or something. And uh, that, that was my act of imagination back then. But I guess the point is that I always wanted to uh, to uh, just the, the extraordinary, something more than just the normal, more than just the ho-hum. And what I've learned, uh, you know, now 45 years of life, what I have learned is that uh, oftentimes God isn't in the extraordinary. We talked about this just the other day uh, when we talked about the feast of the epiphany, the solemnity of the epiphany, how God uh, can be found very much so in the ordinariness of daily life. We have a lot of saints in uh, our, our tradition and our faith and uh, our church history uh, who have highlighted this point for us. Uh, a new saint on the horizon, uh, blessed Mother Teresa of Calcutta is going to be um, officially declared a saint this year in, in 2016, and she's one of those. She's one of those saints who who um, testifies to the fact that God meets us right where we are, that God meets us in the ordinariness of daily life, and her namesake, Saint Therese of Lisieux, is another, right, 24 years old. Just uh, talk about the little way, her little way of loving God right where you are and the ordinariness of where you are, um, that we don't have to do great things for God, but 
We just need to do the ordinary things, the regular things, the boring things, but do them with great love. And that's what they were talking about. Those are two are not the only two who give us this message of God meeting us where we are in the ordinary. There are others as well. So as we ap- ap- approach ordinary time, I think that you and I can maybe reflect a little bit more on this probably next week, that uh, it's not really very ordinary, is it? We call it ordinary time because it's just, uh, uh, I guess, the, the, the regular day-to-day, the, the, the regular walk, the march toward heaven. Uh, we're not looking back. We're not bringing back to the present uh, the mysteries of God that happened in the life of Jesus, whether it was you know Lent and what, what Lent entails for us, the 40 days in the desert, the 40 years in the desert for, uh, for the Jews, for the Israelites way back when. Uh, before the Exodus, you know, or actually during the Exodus. Uh, we're not calling uh, to mind or bringing to the present today uh, the season of Christmas of, of God becoming man in Jesus or that period of preparation we call Advent. We're not celebrating yet the resurrection and that period of time when we celebrate the Easter season. No, instead, this is just the daily duty. This is just the where God meets us right here, right now. And that starts on Monday, folks. Now, I have to talk, in speaking about seasons, I have to say, you know, we talked on Wednesday about king cakes. And down here in New Orleans, uh, king cakes uh, is a big deal, very big deal. I'm going to share with you, matter of fact, today, some uh, uh, fun facts, <laughs> statistics and fun facts about king cakes. We want to talk a little bit more about this tradition uh, because it does kind of bring together both our faith and uh, this culinary thing, you know, this, this culinary tradition, food. We, we talk about food. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And um, we have a few other things to to discuss as well. And I got to find my notes here. You know, I, I mentioned just a minute ago that we're not out of the Christmas season yet. We're, we're, we're looking forward. It's almost here. It's almost here. But we're not out yet. And a friend of mine, Danielle Bean, just the other day, Actually, I take that back. It was yesterday on Facebook. Uh, yesterday morning, she posted something that kind of caught my eye. And and lo and behold, it caught the eyes of a lot of people. Let me see if I can pull that up here. I know I saved it somewhere. Um, I hate when I can't find stuff. This is a part of the, the problem, I guess, the reality of being 45. <laughs> this was her post. Very simple. Very simple question, just a one-liner. Who still has their tree up? <clears throat> That's it. And, and guess what? As of as of right now, uh, she has let's see, five hundred and thirty-three likes on, or thirty-four, five hundred thirty-four likes on this. And <clears throat> I can't remember how many uh, comments. It's over over a hundred. I mean, it's hundreds. I uh, know one hundred and fifty-five. One hundred and fifty-five comments. On this post, do you still have your tree up? And why? Why does catch my eye? Because the other day I talked about this. We talked about the Christmas season. We talked about the fact that um, you know, unfortunately, our, our world just moves on, right? Um, they forget the reason for the season. They forget the reason for the day, Christmas, right? Jesus' birth, our salvation, that God becomes man and Jesus becomes our Savior. He is our salvation. It forgets that forgets the season because we can't, as Catholics. I mean, come on now, we can't really celebrate anything in just a day. 
You know, we need a season. We need eight days. We need 40 days. We need, <laughs> we need a season. And, uh, and that's something that is just kind of ingrained in us down here in New Orleans. That's why we have carnival season. I'll be talking about that in a minute. But she asked that question. Who still has their tree up? Well, we do. We do. We're fighting the temptation, though, because our tree is dying. We're fighting the temptation to get rid of it. We're going to have it up until, until Sunday. But uh, a lot of folks uh, took it down. A lot of folks took it down. So you look through these comments, we're certainly not going to go through 155 comments, but just kind of going through it, you see all these people saying, yep, mine is still up. It's still lit. You know, um, I had one, 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 uh, person said, you know, our, our tree is still up, but I don't know how long it's going to be up because it's, it's not, it's not green anymore. It's yellow. <laughs> Um, yeah, so many different, uh, so many different people commenting on here. You know, ours went down on, uh, Epiphany, uh, but fell over right after Christmas and was left, uh, sparsely decorated. So beautiful tree would have loved to have left it up longer, but you know, things happen in life and we had to take it down. So those kind of things happened, you know, and if, the, the fact, I, the fact is, is that it, any one symbol it isn't the end all be all, right? It's not that you have your tree up and if you don't have your tree up, you shouldn't feel guilty, you know, but it, it, the fact is that we want to keep Christmas in our hearts and that it, it should still be on our minds because we are in the Christmas season. So I thought that was kind of neat, you know, uh, that one question, that one simple question generated so much, uh, so such a, a large response from people simply because, as I mentioned the other day, it, it's a, I guess you could call it a hot button issue. I call it really what I said the other day is it's, it's a, it's a dividing line. You know, it really is a dividing line between, uh, the world and even, even Catholics and Christians who, uh, maybe don't really practice their faith, you know, or live it out very much. They're just sort of Christian in name or Catholic in name. Um, they may go to mass. They may not, you know, there's a big dividing line. You see that Christmas brings between those who really try to practice their faith, try to try to live their faith and those who don't, because those who are trying to live it, we're still in Christmas, you know, and those who, who don't, well, Christmas is over. It's been over a couple of days ago. Uh, our, our good friend, the, uh, the, the director of awesomeness, uh, Jennifer Longworth, she says that her tree is still up. So that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Jennifer, ours is up too. I had to actually take a, 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 almost like some nunchucks or something to defend our tree from my wife this morning. She was tempted to take it down, but I was able to, without violence, just talk her out of it. We're going to have it up. And we, we generally do. We generally do have it up throughout the, the Christmas season. Now, I do have uh, one other thing to say about Christmas before we jump into king cakes. Uh, but we are getting close to a break, so I'm going to have to hold this off. But I, I mentioned to you the other day, I'll, I'll just kind of prepare you for this. I mentioned the other day uh, a social media campaign. You probably heard of it. If you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter, you've probably heard of it. It's called Share Jesus. Hashtag Share Jesus. Uh, a friend of mine, Father Josh Johnson, who is a priest of the Diocese of Baton Rouge, uh, I still remember when he was a seminarian right down the road here uh, at the Abbey at St. Ben's. Uh, Josh Johnson, uh, Father Josh uh, 
put a video up the other day, uh, kind of reminding us that we are in still in the Christmas season. And I'm going to share that with you uh, when we come back from the break. We got more coming also. I want to talk a little bit more about king cakes. You know, we didn't get to finish the the recipe. I ran out of time last show. Didn't get to tell you the, the remainder about the, the uh, how to do a king cake. So we'll talk about that. We're going to have Emerald, a little sound clip from Emerald, Emerald Lagasse today, talking about king cakes too. We're going to talk about other traditions and also some other different strange types of king cakes that you may find in the Mardi Gras season. But we do have to take a break, so do not go away. We will be back uh, in just a minute. Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show. Welcome back. I'm Jeff Young, your host, The Catholic Foodie. So glad you're here with me today. As I mentioned before the break, that we were going to hear from Father Josh Johnson, a priest of the Diocese of Baton Rouge. This is a part of that social media campaign, the biggest, as what, what it says on the website, the, the biggest, the largest uh, social media campaign, campaign in the Catholic Church, Share Jesus, hashtag Share Jesus. So I'm going to uh, try to pull that up right now uh, for us to hear. Uh, Father Josh Johnson, if I can find it. See, that's the trick. I've got, a, I've got multiple tabs open here, folks, and sometimes I get lost, you ever get lost? Sometimes I get lost. I think this is it right here. Let's see if I can get to go. Christmas isn't over. Let's keep the party going. A number of years ago, I got to experience an eight-day silent retreat. And on this retreat, me and the other guys got to experience four hours with the Blessed Sacrament and four hours with the, with the Word of God, the Sacred Scriptures. And on the last day of the silent retreat, I remember being really scared because I didn't want to go back out into the real world because I knew how good, how many graces I was able to receive during that retreat. And I said to God, I said, God, I don't want this to end. And the word that I perceived in prayer from the Lord was, but there's so much more. And that's the same word that Jesus Christ desires to share with all of us. There is so much more. Christmas is not just a day. Christmas is not just a day as the culture and as the world talks about, oh, Christmas is here for the the 25th of December. No, it's actually a season. It's a season, and the season is still here, so we have to keep the party going. On Christmas Day, we receive that great gift of the birth of Christ. But with the birth of Christ comes many more gifts that he wants for us to experience over time. As he matured and as he as he grew up, he then shared more gifts with us. The wedding of Cana, the miracles, the walking on water, the choosing of the disciples, the walking with the people where they were at, calling people to holiness, healing people, taking them to new levels of freedom. That's what God wants for all of us. But so often we just stop and settle with the one experience of God, the one encounter. And he says, no, don't stop there. There's many more graces even within that encounter to experience, to receive from me. Just open yourself up to it. Christmas isn't over. We got to keep the party going. So I want to encourage and invite all of you who are watching this to think back to one particular experience that you've had with the Lord. And to go back there in prayer today for just five minutes and ask Jesus Christ, Jesus, please reveal to me more. Because the reality is this, we were created for more. 
more of him every single day from here on out until eternity. And there's always going to be more of Jesus to receive all the way through heaven. And we're not in heaven yet because we're watching this video. So I know there's more for you and for me. So let's ask him to reveal more graces to us that we may soak them in and encounter his love in a new, powerful, intimate way today. Awesome. 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 That uh, Father Josh Johnson, uh, part of the Share Jesus uh, campaign on social media. Redeemedonline.com is where you're going to find that. And of course, as I always do, I will uh, embed that video. You can see the whole thing. I'll embed the video over at catholicfoodie.com in the show notes for this show. Now, there's a lot that we could talk about uh, when it comes to uh, the carnival season. Uh, it, you know, it's the same sort of thing that happens. Matter of fact, I saw a funny joke type thing. Uh, it was a kind of a meme uh, on Instagram the other day. Uh, there's a, a New Orleans, Louisiana, right? New Orleans, Louisiana. There is a uh, an affectionate name that we have for New Orleans. We call it NOLA, right? It's just like if you were writing uh, a letter to someone and you're addressing it and you're going to put New Orleans, Louisiana. Well, if you're in Louisiana, you can just shorten that to NOLA and add the zip code and it will get there, right? New Orleans, Louisiana, NOLA. And uh, there's a, a, a some mom, mommy bloggers uh, in New Orleans. And I think the, the one of them, it, it's uh, NOLA mom blog or NOLA mommy blog or, or something along those lines. And they put some funny stuff up. You know, I mean, if, if you're from around here, you'll get it, you know, and, and, and some funny stuff. But this, I think you can appreciate. If you, you already understand, even if you're not from New Orleans, I think you'll get this. Uh you know, you understand the whole thing about seasons. We've, I've been talking about this for a while now, you know, Christmas season, we have the Advent season, all of that. And, and the thing about Mardi Gras and about king cakes, you know, we talked king cakes on Wednesday, uh, the Feast of the Epiphany, uh, the King's Day, you know, we call it the King's Day, King's Day, when the three wise men, the three kings uh, find Jesus. Uh, so it's a season, you know, and, and January 6th, opens up for us down in New Orleans, what's known as carnival season. Now this year, I got to tell you, uh, Mardi Gras comes early. Ash Wednesday comes early, very early, beginning of September. We're barely having like a little over a month uh, of a carnival season, very, very short period of time, which is unusual. You know, that, that didn't happen every year. Uh, it's unusual that it's so uh, short, so compact. And it's, it's sort of, uh, I mean, for those bakeries that are in the business of making king cakes every year, it, it's sort of, it's tough on them. It's tough on them because uh, they say, uh, they being the committee of they, whoever they are, but they say that when Mardi Gras comes early, then it's typically not as much of a financial boost for the city of New Orleans and for the businesses, the local economy, because it comes too quickly on the heels of Christmas and people are still trying to recuperate financially from Christmas. And I understand that. That, that can certainly happen. But when you have a long carnival season, then you have more time for people to buy king cakes uh, to celebrate because it is very much a, a very real day-to-day -day part of our experience of life here between January 6th and whenever Ash Wednesday is every year. And, uh, and so that impacts the, the local economy. It's going to impact uh, those bakers that are out there uh, making king cakes, not only for the local, like to, to sell, sell here locally, but also to ship around the world. Um, I've got some statistics I'm going to share with you, but I think we talk about every year during carnival season, an estimated half a million king cakes are made here in the city of New Orleans. Half a million. 
made and sold here. And I think that that's a, and I don't know the date on these statistics. I don't know if it's just the last couple of years or what, but an estimated 50,000 are shipped out from the city. So they, they could be going to Chicago, they could be going to New York, to California, they could be going around the world, I don't know. But just 50,000 king cakes shipped out. So we're talking big business here. and it's, But it's big business because it's tradition. It's big business because we have these traditions that are very important to us. And uh, of course, down here in New Orleans, it's very easy to have food and faith mixed together. That's just part of our culture. It's part of who we are in this geographic area, whether you're Catholic or not. It's just kind of part of how we grow up. So food and faith are always kind of mixed together. And let me see if I can pull up here these uh, statistics I was talking about. Um, It is very important, I think, to kind of get put this into perspective if I can find them. And this is coming from the Times-Picayune, the New Orleans uh, newspaper. It's been around forever. Uh, NOLA.com. I will have a link in the show notes at catholicfoodie.com for all the resources that I talk about here on the show. So you don't have to go grab a pen and paper or whatever to to write down this stuff right now. You're going to find it. It's going to be in the show notes at catholicfoodie.com. I try to make it easy for you, you know, try to make it easy for you. Now, uh, we've talked about one main type of king cake so far. We talked about this on Wednesday, this brioche, right? This brioche this is a French brioche. And one of the things I did not uh, get into on Wednesday because I ran out of time is that there are different, New Orleans is not unique when it comes to celebrating with a cake, you know, Epiphany, King's Day with a cake. We are unique in the sense that we spread this out over a season, uh, New Orleans is kind of a party place. Historically, it, it always has been. And so we're, we're not, we have a carnival season that leads up to Mardi Gras season. And Mardi Gras actually lasts with the parades and all of that. It, it lasts for two weeks, uh, all the major parades, and then finally ends on Mardi Gras Day, which is that Tuesday, the day before Ash Wednesday. So we do these these things in seasons, but we you know our king cake in New Orleans is not the only kind of king cake out there in the world. You, you do have a, there's a, a, a French, matter of fact, our New Orleans, this brioche, which is a, a French dough, uh, comes from France. And, and so does another type of king cake that is still made in New Orleans, but also back in France called a galette de roi. All right. It's a, it's a French cake. Uh, King cake, it's, it's very different. If you look at it and you see it, it, it doesn't have a hole in the middle, right? It's a very different type of, of cake. And so uh, there's also uh, Rosca de Reyes. Uh, if you're in Mexico, you, you may have heard of that. Uh, or if you've been in and around or speak Spanish, you may have heard of that. That's a, a, a Mexican tradition, another type of tradition of, of celebrating King's Day with a cake, uh, the Rosca de Reyes. And the way that they make that is very different. It can have dried fruit on top, all this kind of, just very different. Uh, but here are these facts about king cakes, fun facts, right? Both types of king cakes in your Orleans, you know, the Galette de Roy, the, the traditional French one, then also the ring type, the one with the hole in the middle because it's a ring. Um, both of these are sold in French bakeries. They, they originate in France. And uh, the, the um, uh, puff pastry, well, anyway, we'll get into that, but the Galette type is puff pastry, right, with a, a frangipani uh, f- filling. And it was popular in the north, and uh, you had a, a, a Gateau de Roy, 
uh, which is different than the galette, the Gâteau de Roy, uh, which was a brioche, right? Brioche dough. And it was in southern France. So both of them come from France. And the difference is New Orleans, we, we added more uh, or fewer egg yolks is the, kind of the way it, it, it worked out. There's a difference now today between the two different types. Uh, but very interesting because it was always just that traditional kind of braided dough. And it wasn't until much later when we had... Um, we have we, we have a break that's what we have we have a break so let's take that break right now you're listening to the catholic foodie show on Breadbox media we'll be back in just a minute welcome back welcome back to the catholic foodie show here on Breadbox media i'm your host jeff young the catholic foodie and we're talking king cake again again today why because there's a lot to talk about that's why a lot to talk about. You know, I neglected, uh, I, I got so wrapped up into uh, trying to do 10 things at once last segment that I forgot to mention that that NOLA mom blog thing I told you about that I saw on Instagram the other day. I forgot to tell you why it was so funny. And the reason why it's so funny is because it was just a picture of a, a, a day planner, right? And you know how you can have different views, like a month view or a day by day or a weekly view. It was a week. And it, it started with January 1st and went 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. And in uh, and, and each entry, had each date had a little entry written in. And the first one was, you know, it's a new year. It's, it's New Year's Day. And, you know, start diet. You know, and the next entry was like, uh, you know, go plan out weekly menu, you know, health, start health, health diet, yeah, healthy diet, plan out weekly menu, uh, do Pilates at 1030, that kind of thing, you know, and the same thing with like day number three and then day number four and then day number five. And then finally, uh, you know, January 6th is up and it says, you know, uh, buy king cake, eat king cake and then resume diet again on Ash Wednesday. You know, <laughs> that was what was so funny. Why? Because you hear people talk about that around here. You know, we always, you hear people all over the country talking about, oh man, you know, the holidays and you put on weight in the holiday season, you know, starts at like Thanksgiving and then goes all the way through December and boy, I can't wait. I, I have to start a diet January 1st, you know, and for a lot of places around the country, that's not a big deal. You start a diet on uh, January 1st and what happens? You know, you don't have that much of a challenge other than just human nature uh, to make you stop that diet or in that diet anytime soon. But down here, you got another season that kicks into high gear, um, January 6th. <laughs> so she said, uh, resume diet Ash Wednesday. I thought that was funny. I wanted to share that with you. Now we were talking about, uh, on Wednesday, uh, King Cakes, you know, that, that Mardi Gras started was 1893, I believe is the date. I, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it was 1893, 1892, 1893, the first, uh, the, the beginnings of Mardi Gras, right? And so here, this is a long tradition. It's also just like most traditions. It develops over time. It grows, it changes and develops over time. And in this article, uh, this article uh, from Noel, Com that I referenced uh, at the end of last segment. Uh, fun facts, right? Fun facts about King Cakes and about Mardi Gras. Um, it references a 1989 interview with uh, McKenzie's Bakery. McKenzie's is 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 iconic here in New Orleans. McKenzie's Bakery, and uh, in 1989, okay, 1989. That was a while back. Uh, in 1989, in this interview, uh, at that point, that, that bakery had already been baking king cakes for 40 years. 
All right, 40 years, uh, which would have been what, 1940, is that right? Yeah, 1949, right? 1949 when they started. So in 1989, they'd already been baking king cakes for 40 years. And they said in the interview, McKenzie's Bakery said that it wasn't until 1950, a year later, 1950, that the public started buying king cakes in large numbers. So at that point, it was just, uh, it wasn't really a big deal. It wasn't really like a, a big cultural phenomenon. It was just something that was around and some people did, but that was it. Well, in 1950, it starts to become really, as they say, a way of life for people. And it's interesting because it says that the, the king cakes, you know, the first king cakes were not filled. They were just a brioche and they would have, a lot of times they were braided and they would have cinnamon in them, like a, a layer of maybe cinnamon butter, buttered cinnamon in between the braids. And so when it, when it cooks, it becomes, the, the cinnamon portion would be inside the cake once it's baked, you know. Um, it wasn't until the early 80s, they said, that uh, they started to fi uh, fill king cakes. And usually the, the, the filling was uh, like cream cheese, it wasn't until later that someone came across, it was, matter of fact, Gambino's Bakery, another bakery, famous, iconic here in New Orleans. It was until um, a little bit later that they started to fill it with uh, kind of a, a Danish type fillings, like apple, like fruit, you know. And the reason they did that is because they changed the type of dough that they were making. They weren't doing the traditional brioche. They were doing more of a Danish type of, 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 of dough. And so it changed everything. And so they found, found that certain fillings really went with that, uh, type of dough. And so you see this, uh, this, um, development, if you will, of a culinary, really, I think what you could call a culinary phenomenon, these things that are king cakes, people get so excited about them. And one, one thing that could be playing a part, uh, could be playing a big role in all of this. The phenomena is the fact that over this period of time, what else has been going on? Technology, right? Technology. The world really has become a smaller place. And so things that are uh, traditionally have, or historically, I should say, have been partitioned off geographically to a certain area. Well, now, because of technology, it, it, it doesn't have to be just in that area, just in New Orleans, king cakes, right? Uh, people all over the world could know them, know about them. Whereas prior to that, you know, with tech, with, 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 uh, prior to our technology boom, it was harder for people to know any, even about the local traditions. So that, that's an interesting thought. Very interesting thought. Uh, now, as far as the amount of cakes, the number of cakes that are, um, that we have, the number of cakes that, that are made every year, I, I think I just, I just close that out. Did I? Maybe I did. Boy, I'm just something else. Now, as I mentioned, again, what, what was it? Uh, the fun facts. Here it is. Okay. 500,000 king cakes sold each year in New Orleans, in New Orleans, between January 6th and Fat Tuesday or Mardi Gras. Another 50,000 shipped out of state via overnight courier. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Now, the tradition is, and I mentioned this last show, that uh, the king cakes in include a little plastic baby doll, a little plastic baby that's put inside the cake after it's baked right after it's baked. And whoever finds the doll, this is the, the, the common tradition today, whoever finds the doll is declared the king, which doesn't really get you any benefit at all. It just puts the responsibility on you to buy the next king cake <laughs> or to give the next king cake party. Uh, so that's pretty cool. 
Pretty cool. And we're going to be talking more about uh, Mardi Gras and the carnival season as we go through that time. It's a lot of fun. And that's one of the things that that uh, I think draws a lot of people to New Orleans is that it's unique. It's different. It is a lot of fun, even though uh, a lot of times the, the national media will portray it as a lot of craziness. There's also just a lot of really good family centered fun that goes on there. Now, what I'd like to do, I did not have a chance last show. I did not have a chance to finish um, telling you about the recipe and how you make it. Now, the recipe that I use, it's, it's, it's available. It's all over at catholicfoodie.com. You can find it. It is going to take time. It's going to take effort, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's better than any king cake you're going to get and a bakery. Why? Because it's not mass produced. It's made by your own hands, first of all. And you can kind of tweak it and make it the way you want to. Matter of fact, I tweaked this recipe. This was originally something that I got from Emeril Lagasse, something that he had shared a while back, years ago, actually, years ago. And I kind of took it and made it made it my own. Like, uh, you know, they say in the, in the Bible that there's nothing new under the sun, right? I believe that's Ecclesiastes. Nothing new under the sun. And that is certainly the case. I mean, a lot of the recipes that you see that become big, they're just taking recipes recipes that are already out there and they tweak it and they make it their own. They do something unique with it. And that's exactly how uh, most recipes come and go. We we just take things that are already there. We make combinations that other people may not have thought of before, or we do something a little bit different and, and we've got something new, but it's not a hundred percent new. It's just sort of kind of new and different. And that's what we have here. Uh, I took Emerald's recipe and kind of tweaked it, made it my own. You can find it over at catholicfoodie.com. Now, I'm about to play a little sound clip for you, and this is Emerald. He's going to go through the whole process of making a king cake. I think you're going to enjoy it. He has a great knack for entertaining while he teaches, and that's why I really like this. I will embed this a video, right? It's a video. It's a sound clip for you here on the radio, but it is a video, and I will embed that video over at catholicfoodie.com for the show notes of this show so that you can actually watch and see if you want to what he is doing. Uh, There are a few differences in the way that he's going to show these things now and talk about them in the way that I actually do them. And I will try to to follow along so that, you know, at once this plays through, I can kind of go back and say, yeah, I do this a little bit differently. But for the most part, it's the same. For the most part, it's the same. And a lot of it with practice, if you want to make more during the carnival season than just one king cake, you get better at it as you go along. So let's take a listen right now to Emeril Lagasse, Chef Emeril, Emeril Lagasse, talk about how to make a king cake. Basically, we start with dry ingredients. How you guys doing? Great. All right. Welcome. We got regular flour, just regular all-purpose flour. And I want to add a little bit of lemon peel, which is going to uh, give it a little bit of citrusy flavor. I'm going to add a little bit of cinnamon and a little pinch of nutmeg that I had in there as well. And uh, a little bit of salt. Ah, we'll add all the salt. Why not? A little butter. Got a little bit of milk. Now, the thing is, is the milk is the liquid. And why we're having this liquid is because we need to dissolve yeast. And when you're dissolving yeast, which is this stuff here that I'm sure that you're familiar with, this is, uh, ooh, it's active dry yeast. It's not just regular yeast anymore. Uh, What you want to do is when you're using for breads or for this particular king cake, you need to dissolve the yeast inside of the milk. Now, king cake, it's got to be sweet. So what we're going to do now, you always like to occasionally taste to make sure it is sugar. We're going to add sugar into our dry ingredients now, which is going to be giving it the sweetness. Now, all the dry ingredients are in here, as I said. And now these wet ingredients, the milk, the yeast, 
I got a couple of eggs. We're going to incorporate that in there so that we can whisk our eggs in there. Hey, and every now and then, you know, you kind of just want to do that. Get all the egg in there real good. And now and we're, we're going to have to take a break. We are, uh, I was off on my timing, but we're going to finish this up. When we come back, you are listening to the Catholic Foodie Show on Breadbox Media. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show here on Breadbox Media. I'm your host, Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie. So glad that you're here today. We're still talking king cakes. And before the break, you know, I had a a video I was playing here, a little sound clip of Emeril Lagasse kind of taking us through how to make a king cake. And we got, we got, you know, a break snuck up on us and uh, had to take a little break there, but we are back and we're going to finish this up. You know, Emerald had uh, mixed together all the dry ingredients and he was now adding the egg yolks. You know, I mentioned this on Wednesday that brioche, one of the things that makes it what it is, is the fact that you're using a lot of butter and a lot of egg yolks. So we are going to go back to this right now and listen as he uh, starts to mix all the, uh, the wet ingredients, including the egg yolks together. What I'm going to do is this. Basically, when this is incorporated, the next thing to do is to make the dough. So what we're going to do now is add our liquid ingredients right into our dry ingredients to start forming a dough. Now, best part of it, you can see the lemon peel that's in there. What it's going to do is when that bakes, it's just going to let off that oil and those flavors of that. You want to get it maybe a little less than a quarter of an inch is we're going to roll this. Some people like raisins in it. Some people like different fillings. All kinds of fillings during the Mardi Gras season is chocolate, there's vanilla, there's coconut. They fill them with all kinds of things. Basically, it's a cream cheese base filling. What we're gonna do is I got a little bit of cream cheese. You gotta sweeten it a little bit. Ah, sweeten it a lot, that's what I say. We'll sweeten it a lot. So we get this really, really just simple cream cheese filling which that's the basic one. Usually they come just either plain with cinnamon and nutmeg or they come with just a plain cream cheese. That's the uh, the most popular ones. And um, now what we'll do is that we get that all incorporated in there, real simple cream cheese filling. Then what we'll do from this point is real simple. We'll put this cream cheese filling on our king cake. Yeah, how can you go wrong, right? And then what we'll do Get all of that good knot of there. Sounds like a job for rubber spatula. Now our fingers will work too. Now, what you want to do is you just want to spread this, and it doesn't have to go over the entire surface. Nothing fancy, because we're going to roll this up and it's going to be incorporated. So what we want to do is make sure that we got just enough of it from side to side as I'm doing right here. Then I'll show you how simple this is. Now, once we do that, we got to hide the baby. Sometimes I like to like put a whole family in there, you know, just just mess with them real good, you know. You get a coffee can or whatever you like to do, grease your sheet pan. Then what you want to do is you want to mold this around and put it together like I've got right here, your king cake. Cover this up. And you got to let it proof. It's almost going to get double in size. Take a knife like any bread and you want to kind of score it. You want to just sort of make these little pleats like this. What that does is it's going to pop it open as it bakes. 
We'll bake this inside of the oven. 350 degrees is what it takes. Now we got our cream cheese king cake. Watch oh. this. We're gonna make a little uh, the fondant on top of all the king cakes. I like to use a little lemon juice, use a little bit of milk. If you wanna use water, you can use water. And then I have powdered sugar. Basic fondant, and what we're gonna do is just incorporate this. We're making like the sugar glaze, just like sugar donuts or sugar glazed donuts. Watch how simple this is now. Once this is all incorporated, you just smear this stuff. You see that? You just smear that filling like this right on. I love that word, smear. Yeah, you gotta smear it. But here's what you do then. Once it's all good and smeared like this, Doc, how we doing? We got a little smearing music, I think. There we go. And then here comes those colors that we talked about. Sometimes you want to just kind of do a little design like this. Then we get like the gold. We do the gold like this. Then we got the green. <laughs> Got the green like that, and there it is, a New Orleans pancake. Oh, that's so much fun. That is just so much fun. And I, I love this. This is the old kind of food television, right? The old kind, the old kind, where it was kind of educational. It was, it was infotainment, right? Or uh, what do they call it? Infotainment or edutainment. Uh, it was educational. It was teaching, but in a way that was fun. And uh, and that was an old Emerald Lagasse show. Uh, man, I, just a lot of fun. Uh, very different than your uh, food wars these days. You know, there are these competition, competition uh, uh, cooking shows where everybody's trying to uh, stab each other in the back and all that. Uh, not so fun stuff. But anyway, one thing I do want to point out about his uh, recipe, and I think he did this just because it was, I don't know, on TV, you know? And and what you'll see, I, I will put this again in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com. You'll be able to uh, view the whole thing there uh, in the show notes. Uh, what you see is that this is a five-minute, you know, condensed version of what was an entire uh, episode, you know, 30 minute episode. So a lot of things were cut out of it. And, uh, you see the breaks in the video as, as you go through, probably couldn't hear it here because it was done professionally, but you can definitely see it, uh, the fade in, fade, uh, fade out, fade in, uh, that they're doing with the video. So, uh, but one thing is when you make the king cake, you don't put the plastic baby in the king cake before you bake it, right? Cause it's plastic and plastic and 350 degree heat for 30 minutes or so is not going to fare too well. Uh, you'll wind up, um, well, uh, carcinogenic. Is that the word? Is that the word? <laughs> you don't want that. Believe me. Uh, typically you would take the baby and put it into the king cake after it has not only baked, but also has cooled. Uh, you also don't want to, uh, add the icing at the end, like he did the fondant. You don't want to add that until after the cake has fully cooled. Otherwise, what's going to happen? It's not going to sit on the cake. It's not going to, uh, the, the, the icing will not sit on the cake. It's going to melt off and uh, you'll just have a big puddle of icing on the sides and underneath your cake instead of where you want it, which is on top. You know, I would love to hear if you uh, 
if you do make any king cakes, I think I mentioned this on Wednesday, over the years, I have had uh, a number of folks uh, from families, just moms. Uh, and I have to say it's been moms. It hasn't really been dads, but moms and also uh, teachers who have brought this whole uh, concept of a king cake and, and the in the the traditions behind it uh, to their families and to their students in school. I mentioned Barbara Nebraska uh, on Wednesday. I know she she did that uh, with her students a, a year or two ago, and uh, and or maybe it may have been longer than that. You know, I don't. I'm not too good with time. I just know that it passes too quickly. Uh, so if you do that, if you do share it, if you do make a king cake at home, I'd love to hear about it. Uh, you can take pictures even and send me pictures. I'd be happy to post them over at catholicfoodie.com or on the, the Instagram feed or, or, or anything, you know, uh, to share that with listeners, with readers. Um, so, so do, do, please do that. Uh, send me photos if you make it, or if you, uh, have a story that you'd like to share with me, uh, perhaps if you're a teacher and you bring it to your students, you teach in a Catholic school and you can do that. Uh, I'd love to hear about it. If you're a homeschooling mom and you want to bring this to your your children uh, at home and uh, and want to do a little lesson on it or whatever, let me know about it. I'd love to know how it turns out, how you kids like it. Take pictures. And uh, I'd love to share that with the readers and the listeners of uh, The Catholic Foodie. I think that would be a lot of fun. <clears throat> now, I did want to mention a couple other things. Uh, we're, we're getting down. We're winding down the show here, winding down the show today. I do want to mention a couple of other things uh, regarding king cakes before we are finally fully into the carnival season. Uh, I do want to say, if you have any questions about king cakes, if you have any questions or any thoughts you'd like to share about king cakes or about carnival season or about Mardi Gras or anything culinary and faith-based, feel free to call me. I love voice feedback. I love to play it here on the show. You can call at any hour of the day or night, 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974. Just call that number, leave a message. It's just a voice answering machine is what it is. It's a digital answering machine. It it records your message in a way that I can um, easily play it here on the show in a digital format. So uh, 985-635-4974, I want to hear from you. Give me a call. Let me know if you have any questions, if you have any comments, any stories about King Cakes, any stories about Carnival Season, Mardi Gras. Make sure they're family friendly. Thank you very much. Uh, but I'd love to uh, hear from you. Now, I also want to say that I was really excited uh, before I talk about uh, you know, a few more things about King Cake. I want to say I was really excited uh, yesterday. I saw on Facebook that Letitia Adams, Letitia Ochoa, Adams, uh, who is a, a a host here of a show on Breadbox Media, Ramblings of a Crazy Face. She she put a show out last night. Um, she was in an interview with Audrey Assad, and I got I just gotta say I wanted to share this with you because I absolutely love. Audrey Assad. Uh, her music is just so powerful. It just blows me away. It, it helps me really, really, really helps me to enter into prayer. Uh, and I just love that. It, it, it's um, her and, and Matt Marr too, both of them, uh, their, their music, uh, their testimony, uh, when they speak, when they, when they write, uh, whatever it is, it really does resonate with me, speaks to my heart. So please, I, I wanted to encourage you to go to breadboxmedia.com. Uh, you would be able to listen Listen to that show from last night. It aired, at, I think, at 11 p.m. Uh, I can't remember if it was Central or Eastern, but uh, you can you can catch that um, 
that recording, the, the podcast version of the show, you can catch it at um, breadboxmedia.com. I would encourage you to do that. And guess what? Guess what? We are, believe it or not, just about out of time. Uh, I want to thank you so much for uh, for joining me today. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Catholic Foodie Show. And uh, please let your friends and family know about the show. I would love to uh, uh, to have you share that. If you enjoy the show, let them know about it. And you can always, again, find me at uh, catholicfoodie.com. Show notes will be available there. And until next time, bon appetit.